You're listening to a message from Highway Church entitled, Why and Who? Part 7. Enjoy. We're in the midst of a series and we're talking about why and who. That's the name of the series, why and who. And we're talking about why Highway Church and, and who we are. Let's pray right now. Father, we thank you. Lord, we're not going to let go. We are holding on to you, and we're not going to turn back. We're going all the way. No one has loved us like you have. No one cares for us like you do. Father, I ask you by your Spirit to reveal Christ to us in a deeper way today. Lord, Lord bring your liberty and your freedom in this place. Thank you for your healing power flowing right now here in this place, and to everyone watching online by your Spirit, Lord. We thank you that Jesus bore our sicknesses, he carried our diseases, and with the stripes that wounded him, we have been healed. We thank you for for people being healed this morning. Anyone who needs healing in this place here, in this location, receiving it in their bodies this morning through simple faith in Jesus, and for healing going through the internet to anyone who's watching. We thank you for your wholeness, for the good news of your amazing grace, penetrating the darkness and setting the captive free today. In Jesus' name, amen. Why and who? Now, I'm going to tell you something today that you may have never heard, all right? And and it will absolutely uh, make you want to jump and shout It will bring you into a new level of liberty. Some of you may have heard it, but my chances are probably most of you have not. And it's in the book of Daniel. But before we get there, I want to bring out some appetizers and some delicious food to get us ready for it, okay? So we've talked about, and you can go to highwaychurch.us, our website, and all of the messages are there. They're free. They're in a podcast format for you. Um, And you can click on those. You can download them. You can listen to them through any device that you have with any internet connection. You can share them. And you can also, uh, we leave the live broadcasts of our services up on our Facebook wall as well. And uh, you can watch the services there. Um, But are you ready? Are you hungry? Boy, come to Jesus. When you're hungry, he will fill you up. Um, So we've learned a lot in this series. It's been fun. And we know this, and I think this is uh, the most important thing, that we are a people who have a common purpose, and that purpose is to know Jesus more every day. You just can't know him enough. I'm telling you, there are layers and facets of him that will bring you into new realms of joy and peace and strength. So we want to go further. We want to go higher. We want to go deeper into Jesus. And we have a singular focus at Highway Church. It's Jesus, okay? So, so we're, we're consumed with him. And as a result, we're not just looking for a job or trying to make ends meet or filling our calendar with stuff and then trying to fit that into God's plan for our lives. No, we're just about knowing him. In fact, knowing him is the passion of our lives. It's why we get up in the morning. It's why we have breakfast. It's why we do the things we do. So even where we work, the people we spend time with, those grow out of our passion of our intimacy with Christ. So our goal is not doing all this stuff that the world says we should do. Our goal is to know him, 
So when we get up in the morning, we clear our minds and we focus on knowing him. And out of that priority of knowing him, out of that relationship, we then get guidance as to what to put on our calendar. His yoke is easy and his load is light. So many people are worn out because their calendar is full of things that maybe don't need to be on their calendar. But so-and-so said they should do it or they're feeling like, well, I, don't, I need to be busy. Being busy is not a sign of fulfilling your purpose. All right? It's not. Now, God has things for us to do, but we want to have spirit-led activity in our lives. Right? Not, not social pressure or peer pressure activity in our lives, okay? We want to have spirit-led activity. And we've been talking about holding our ground, right? From Ephesians 6.11 in the Weiss translation. We're people at Highway Church, and we're encouraging you on Facebook to hold your ground. Do you guys remember what your ground is? God's will for your life, the abundant life that Christ came to give you. You've got to grab a hold of it and don't let go for anybody. God's for you, but we're living in a world that has fallen, where the enemy is the God of this world. Satan is the God of this world. So by studying Jesus, we know at Highway Church that his will doesn't happen automatically. God's will doesn't happen automatically. We don't see that in the Bible. We see the opposite. We see opposition to the will of God. And we see there are those in the Bible who took possession of the will of God for their lives, and there's those who didn't. We are those who do, okay? We study Jesus. We learn the will of God for our lives by studying him in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts, and then we speak his word over our lives. We believe it in our heart, and we take possession of what he came to give us, okay? We resist the devil. This is a world you have to resist darkness in. It's not going to be like that in heaven. Okay, we saw in the Old Testament, remember we looked last week at, at, at the, God's people who, who were called to go into the promised land, a place more beautiful than any place they'd ever known, where the grapes were so big that the two men had to carry one cluster on a rod between their shoulders. But there were giants on that land, okay? And there was a man named Caleb. You remember Caleb, one of my heroes in the Bible? Right? Caleb was from what tribe? He was from Judah. What tribe is Jesus from? Yeah, the lion of the tribe of Judah. Listen, Caleb took possession of what God promised him. It didn't happen automatically. And that's why so many believers are confused or discouraged because they just think if it's God's will, it should happen. You have to know his will. We have to learn his will by looking at Jesus, not at our life experience, not at what happened to so-and-so. We've got to learn his will by studying Jesus. It's God's will for your body to be whole and well, always, for the rest of your life. Not only is it his will, he has provided that for you through the sacrifice of his son. It's part of the atoning work of Jesus. But the vast majority of Christians don't know that. The vast majority of Caleb's generation, except for him and Joshua, did not take possession of what God provided for them. They didn't go in. They died in the desert. Tragedy. Caleb didn't, though. Right? Caleb kept, he was locked in. 
He was trusting. He was, he was intimate with God. No matter what his generation did, he was determined, I'm going all the way. And that's us right here. We're going all the way. Okay, we're going all the way. Now, do you realize that when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, that you are reborn of the lion of the tribe of Judah? We are born of the lion of the tribe of Judah. We're living a new life now. Christianity was never meant to be a, another charity, a social organization. We are the sons and daughters of God. We're a chosen race. We're a royal priesthood. We're a holy nation. We're a people for God's own possession. Why? It tells us, uh, is it in 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10? Or 2 Peter? I don't know why. I, don't, I think maybe it's 2. I don't remember. The 2 Peter? Why? That we might show forth the excellencies of him who's called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Right? That's what we're doing. We're born of Jesus. Do you know that you're just like him? Let's look at 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23. You got to be ready for some shocking stuff when you come to Highway Church. <laughs> Remember my external defibrillator anointing? Clear. <laughs> right? We want to wake you up into the new life Christ has given you. You've already got it if you put your faith in him. You just need to realize who you are now. Look at 1 Peter 1.23. It says, being born again, when you put your faith in Christ, the Holy Spirit made your spirit brand new. That's the new birth that Jesus talked about in John chapter 3. Not of corruptible seed. You can't get this seed at a nursery, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which lives and abides forever. Well, who's the word of God? Ooh, the word of God is a person, isn't he? Jesus, right? Are you ready? Clear. God is not a book. He's the maker of heaven and earth. He's the living God. He breathes. He inhales. He exhales. He has a heart. He sees. He sings. He dances. He creates. He's not a human being. He's God. All right? But he is a being. When I say person, that's on the person of God. Okay? He's the one who wrote the songs that the birds sing. He's the author of life. He's the healer. He's the living word. And I am beyond thankful for the written word, the Bible. The Bible is God's written word, but do you want to know something? You can't understand it apart from a real relationship with the living word. 
That's why it's so often mistaught, misunderstood, because there is a gross void of real relationship with the real Jesus. You can't understand the Bible by going to seminary. You can't. There's no man that can teach you this book. You need the Holy Spirit to unveil Christ to you. Now, thank God for the, 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 they call it the five-fold ministry in Ephesians for apostles and prophets and pastors and teachers and evangelists. And God uses people to help us grow in the Word. And, and that's a part of what we're doing right now. You're being built up in who you are in Christ. But it's the Holy Spirit that unveils Christ to us, that enables us to understand Scriptures we couldn't understand before. So we're going to see some stuff today, all right? The purpose of the written word, the Bible, is to help us to come to know and have a relationship with the living word, Jesus, okay? Look at John chapter 1, verse 1. One of the most important verses in the Scriptures, in the beginning, the genesis of the New Testament here, <laughs> was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. Who's the Word in that Scripture talking? Who is it? Yeah, you'll see that if you keep reading. We don't have time to do that. But it's talking about Jesus. In the beginning was Jesus, the Word. And Jesus the Word was with God, and Jesus the Word was God. Jesus is the Word. Let me ask you a question. What are words used for? Yeah, communication. To express ourselves, right? To communicate what's in our heart. Jesus is the Word of God. Jesus is the expression of what's in God's heart. Jesus is God's message to you. Now, you'll find an accurate account of his ministry in the Bible, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts, and in the Old Testament, and in the epistles. Jesus is all throughout the Bible. You'll see him. But he's God's message to you. 1 Peter 1.23 again. You see, if you want to know the heart of God, you've got to study Jesus. The degree to which we know the heart of God is the degree to which we understand the Bible. If you don't know the heart of God, the Bible can be a very confusing uh, book. The letter of the law can kill. The spirit of it brings life. What's the difference, knowing his heart or not knowing his heart? The Bible is not bad. It's a book of life. But if you read it and don't know the heart of God, you're, you're not going to understand it. You're going to become confused, and you can even go into bondage, religious bondage. It's one of the most difficult bondages to, to get free from. That's why Jesus had the hardest time with religious people and leaders. Okay? In the Living Bible, 1 Peter 1, 20, how are we doing? Are we still awake? Need to do some jumping jacks? One, two, three. Okay. The Living Bible, 1 Peter 1.23. Are you happy? You should be happy. God loves you so much. For you have a new life. Did you know that? It was not passed on to you from your parents. For the life they gave you will fade away. This new one will last forever. 
for it comes from Christ, God's ever-living message to men. Let's read it out of the message. Your new life is not like your old life. Your old birth came from mortal sperm. Your new birth comes from God's living word, Jesus. Just think, a life conceived by God himself. That's the life you have now. What does a life conceived by God look like? Well, it's a life governed by love, and it's a life that is unafraid. <laughs> Jesus forgave everyone who hurt him. Isn't that amazing? Have you forgiven everyone who's hurt you? Do it right away if you haven't. I know they don't deserve it, but you don't either. I don't either. There's no reason to hold on to unforgiveness, no matter what they've done. Right? We, none of us deserve what God has provided for us. But he did it not because we deserve it, because he loves us. So let it go. Forgive now. Forgive now. Let it go now. So Jesus forgave everyone who hurt him, and he wasn't afraid of anyone. <laughs> I mean, they tried to take his life multiple times, and he just wasn't afraid. Why? Because he knew the heart of God. He knew that God was his father and that God was for him, and because God was his father, he was going to go all the way and fulfill his father's destiny for his life. Do you know they couldn't kill Jesus until he allowed them to? And the only reason he allowed them to is because he came as the Lamb of God. He was to be sacrificed. He had to do it because that was the Father's will for his plan. And that he's the only one, by the way. You're not the Lamb of God, right? Sometimes religion takes on this, uh, this wrong attitude of sacrifice. Well, when it comes to Jesus, he's the only sacrifice that we need. All right? So we put our faith in his once and for all sacrifice. All right? Oh, boy, there's some good stuff in here. You ready for a little bit more? How's the food? Is it good? Can I bring you some more? Yeah. All right. Hallelujah. Let's look at 1 Peter 1.23 a little bit more. You have to mine and dig in the Scriptures because there's much more in there than you can see at any given moment. Just stay with it. Dig in deeper. You have been born again, the new century version said. And this new life did not come from something that dies, but from something that cannot die. Here comes the seatbelt verse. Are you ready? We're going to look at it in the Philip's New Testament. Philip's New Testament. Clear. For you are the sons of God now. As they say in Italian, adesso, right now. 
You are the sons of God today. The live, permanent word of the living God has, has, it's past tense, it's already done, has given you his own indestructible heredity. Hey! Sorry, I just got to jump a little bit. I got to shout just a little bit. Has given you his own indestructible heredity. You have the DNA of God inside of you. If you've put your faith in Christ, you're born of the lion of the tribe of Judah. His own indestructible heredity is inside of you now. We're just reading the Bible. Funny how how truths can seem foreign to you when you've been caught up in religion and they've been there all along. Hallelujah. So we are people like Jesus that are governed by love, that forgive, and that are unafraid. We're not afraid of anyone or anything because like Jesus, God has become our Father. We know Him as our Father, and we're we're learning His heart through Jesus. And we know that because He's our Father, He's always for us. He's never against us. And because of that, we're going to fulfill our destiny. We're going all the way. It may not look like it. There might be circumstances that are opposing or trying to uh, keep us from going there, but we're going. We're going all the way. We're taking possession of every, every square foot of the ground God has given us in Jesus. Hallelujah. We live in Him. We move in Him. In Him we have our being. Doesn't Acts say that? Chapter 17 something? In Him we live and move and have our being. Let's go to John chapter 15. So at Highway Church, we're people who are born of the lion of the tribe of Judah. We're like Caleb and Joshua, Jesus. We grab a hold of the ground God's provided for us. We abide, we live in Jesus, and his words abide in us. John chapter 15, he's given you his own indestructible heredity. We're going to see an example of this in the Old Testament, in the book of Daniel. We want to be ready for it when we get there. It's coming. John 15, 7, here's the living word talking. He says, if you abide in me, so it's a decision, right? I have to daily choose to do this, don't I? Right? I, we have to make our mind focus on him, right? We have to keep our heart directed towards him. Because we, he's given us authority over our mind and our heart, right? Hallelujah. So if you abide in me and my words abide in you, that's another choice we have to make. If you do these things, abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire. What a side effect, huh? And it shall be done for you. Wow. Why? Because you have his own indestructible heredity in you. See, when you start abiding in Jesus, you begin to call things forth in your life. You begin to speak and take authority over darkness. In fact, this word ask 
there in the Greek uh, is also translated call for. In the book of Acts, when Paul and is it Paul and Silas were in prison and they began worshiping God and the Holy Spirit rattled that, that jail and the chains of the prisoners fell off and the, the prison gates got knocked open and the jailer was in the dark and he called for lights. It's the same word. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will call for what you desire and it shall be done for you. This is a different way of living. So abiding in Christ gives us this supernatural confidence, this indestructibility, if that's a word, this confidence, this boldness to speak God's will into our lives. Your will be done in my life, just as it is in heaven. This word abide is very powerful in this verse here in verse 7. It's the Greek word meno. M-E-N-O, I don't know how to say it. But it does mean this. This is from Vine's uh, Dictionary. Listen to this definition of, of abide. To stay in a given place. A given place. Not one that you earn, a place that's given to you. To stay in a given place, that's Jesus, right? To stay in a given place, relationship, and state of expectancy, calling for what you desire. Let me read that again. It's just so rich. To abide in Jesus, to stay in a given place, relationship, and state of expectancy. So through relationship with Christ, we discover God has given us a place. What do you mean a place? A destiny. See, when you enter into a relationship with Jesus, you realize you've been custom made by God. There's no one else like you. You might have things in common with someone else, but you're the only you God has ever made. You're a custom made, handcrafted work of the maker of heaven and earth. And when you're in relationship with Jesus, you realize you're given place that God has a destiny for your life. And when you realize this through relationship with Jesus, you begin to take your place. You begin to understand your destiny, and you begin to move forward in that thing. And your calendar changes. Maybe your social circles change. How you spend your time changes. How you direct your energy and your talents and your gifts and your acquired skills. And all of a sudden, everything starts to come together and make sense, and you realize the reason that you have been reborn. And there's nothing like it. And through relationship with Jesus, this continued state of expectancy begins to blossom. It's called faith. It's called fearlessness. How do we abide in Jesus? The creaky stand. WD-40? Okay. How do we abide Jesus? Listen closely. By learning God's promises and putting our faith in them. More than anything, the Bible is a book of God's promises. So we are promise hounds. 
highway. You've heard of bloodhounds. We're promise hounds. When we read the Bible, we're like, you know, we're on, we're on the trail. We're looking for promises. And when we find one, we grab it. That's mine. Because no matter how many promises he's made, from Genesis to Revelation, they're yes and amen to us. And we grab a hold of them. They're given to us. It's our given place to live his promises. So by learning God's promises are putting our faith in Him, we begin to abide in Him. We abide in Him when we speak His promises with our mouths over our lives and we believe them in our heart. What do we believe about His promises? That they're true for us now. Adesa, thank you. That they're true for us now. Look at 2 Peter chapter 1. We're making our way to Daniel. But this is a good deal. We don't want to rush. My grandpa used to take one plate of food, and he'd just sit there at the table and chew his food and enjoy it. I like to do that myself. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 2. Grace, talking about the promises of God now. Grace, God's riches at Christ's expense. And peace, that's the Greek word irene. What does it mean? Health. God's riches at Christ's expense and health, well-being, wholeness, be multiplied to you. So that means it can increase in your life, right? Isn't that good news? If you need more health, here you go. In the knowledge of God. You just need to realize who He really is, what He's done for you through His Son, and who you are in Him, and health begins to multiply. Verse 3, seeing that His divine power has granted to us, there's that given place, already done, everything pertaining to life and godliness. He didn't forget anything. He's not a forgetful God, except when it comes to sins. He's forgotten all of mine. How about you? He doesn't remember them. That's the blood of Jesus. It's that wonder-working power that can make the God who's perfect in intelligence forget my sins. I love it. Woo! Everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him, not man's religious knowledge, the true knowledge comes by the Holy Spirit through revelation of the Word. Who called us by his own glory and excellence. Here's our verse, verse 4. For by these, he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises. Why did he do that? It tells us why. So that by his precious and magnificent promises, you may become partakers of the divine nature, the indestructible heredity of God. This is abiding in Jesus. You remember what the message says in verse 4? Pop that baby up there. God's promises are your tickets to participation in the indestructible heredity of God. Oh, man. He's peeling back the layers. He's revealing, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. He's revealing to us who he is, isn't he? Hallelujah. What he's already done for us and who we are now. 
So we're abiding in him as we fill ourselves with his promises. Not as we crawl up a, a flight of stairs on broken glass to, to pay homage to a statue. That's not abiding in him. Not as we're lighting candles in hope of something changing in our life. Not trying to put anyone down, but we need to step away from these wrong rituals and come into the living Christ. Begin to know him. I mean, I, I, as a kid, I was a, just a funny kid. I don't know what was wrong with me. But I, I mean, I would do silly little things like, you know, be walking around and, and all of a sudden I, I, there'd be a stick on the ground in front of me and I'd have this thought, if you jump on that stick and it breaks in two, this is going to happen. So I'd jump on the stick, but it didn't break in two. Oh, you know, little stupid stuff like that. But you know, there are adults doing that today. Maybe not jumping on sticks, but maybe it's a horoscope or maybe it's a, a, a talk show or maybe they think, uh, oh, that, that red light uh, turned green at the wrong time. That means this or, or this didn't happen in the right way or, or the stars aren't aligned in just the right way. I mean, they're looking to the, to the world for answers. They're looking to natural things for supernatural healing and deliverance, but you're not going to find what you're looking for until you come to Jesus. He's not a horoscope. He's the living life of God. He's the Word of God. So we fill ourselves with Him. Can we read some promises? Then we'll go into Daniel. Let's read some of these promises. We're abiding in Him right now. John 14, 27. Then we're going to get into Daniel. This is the living Word say, uh, speaking. He says, health, I leave with you. Well-being and wholeness, I leave with you. That's what that word means. That's what it means. That's the definition of it. Sorry, but it is. <laughs> I don't know what man's religion defines peace with, but it just it's this intangible floaty thing that doesn't change you. But this is wholeness. This is your body being whole. Your mind being whole. This is real life health. Spirit, soul, and body. Jesus is not intangible and floaty. He's real. He's life. He's now. Wholeness, peace, health, well-being, I leave with you. Because he knew we needed it. He knew we were in enemy territory. My wholeness, my indestructible heredity, I give you. You ever read the Bible like this before? What it's saying. I do not give to you as the world gives. Don't let your hearts be troubled. So if my heart's troubled, who let it become that way? I did. But they did this. It doesn't matter what they've done. Don't let your heart be troubled. Troubled hearts try and trouble other hearts, right? Don't let your heart be troubled no matter what someone's done to you. You've been given authority over your heart. Don't let it be troubled. Don't let it be afraid. Do not be afraid. So if I'm afraid, who, who allowed that to happen? I did, right? Doesn't matter what's up against me. If I'm trusting in Him, I'm not going to be afraid. Don't let it be afraid. Can we read another promise of God? 
Same, same Jesus. John chapter 16, verse 33. Remember what Second Peter's chapter 1 said? Grace, peace. Look what Jesus said in John 16, 33. This is the amplified translation. I like this. I have told you these things so that in me you may have perfect health. Clear. Just the Bible. Love it. So that in me you may have perfect health, wholeness, well-being, and confidence. Perfect confidence comes when we listen to him, when we put our faith in his promises. That's why he gave them to us. In the world, you have tribulation, you have trials, you have distress, you have frustration, but be of good cheer. We're not of the world. Take courage. Be confident. Be certain. Be undaunted. Be indestructible. God is your Father. You're born of an indestructible seed. His heredity has been given to you. Why? For I have overcome the world. What does that mean? I have deprived it of power to harm you and have conquered it for you. Jesus. Oh, I better jump some more. I just better jump some more. Woo! We have a supernatural Father who's provided a supernatural life for us and supernatural protection. I've seen it in my life over and over and over and over and over again. If it were not for the supernatural protection of God in my life, I would not be here today. Let's look at some more promises. Now we're getting, oh boy, we're getting into some stuff here. This is the indestructible nature of God. Let's go to Luke chapter 10, verse 18. The living word said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven, defeated fall. Verse 19, behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions. Remember Satan came in the form of a serpent in the garden? He's under your feet. And over all the power of the enemy, every sickness, every disease. You remember the woman who was bent over for what, 18 years in Luke? And Jesus set her free because she was a daughter of Abraham, right? And he said she who was oppressed by the devil, Right? All the power of the enemy. Every sickness, every disease, every depression, every dark thing. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. There is an immunity to disease that far too few believers have discovered. And it's abiding in Jesus. Another promise, Mark chapter 16. I just like staying with Jesus. I like living in him. He keeps me safe. He keeps me strong. 
When the world's panicking because of the latest thing that's going around, I'm laughing and praising and singing Jesus and going forward into the fullness of his plan for my life. Mark 16, verse 7. This is for you. Hey, Facebook, this is for you. It's just through simple faith. It's for you. And these signs will accompany. There's no doubt about it. But who does it accompany? Oh, ah, those who believe it. You got to believe this stuff. I know it, it, it's shocking to say things that Jesus said. Because, man, it's out of this world. It's beyond this world. But if you believe it, you're going to see it. Don't wait to see it to believe it. It doesn't work that way. You believe it and you see it. So these things happen in the lives of those who believe them. They drive out demons. They speak in new tongues. They take up serpents. They drink. If, if, if they drink any deadly thing, like Mountain Dew, or not, <laughs> just kidding. I like Mountain Dew. Do the do. <laughs> I, I don't know when the last time I had it, though. <laughs> if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Now, I've seen some stupid things on TV, and I don't know how true these are, but I've, I've heard, read articles or saw things online about, I don't know if they, I, I highly question whether they were really disciples of Christ, but churches or organizations, groups in different parts of the country that would go out and capture rattlesnakes and bring them into their quote-unquote church service and then pick them up. You know what that is? Darkness and stupidity. It is. How do we know that? We study Jesus. That's how Satan tempted Jesus. Remember when Satan set him on the pinnacle of the temple and says, well, doesn't it say in the Scriptures that, you know, that God's angels will command you so that if you fall, you won't strike your foot against the stone? Jump off that temple. Jesus didn't do it. Why? We're not, we're not trying to prove anything. We're not listening to darkness. Right? But if in our lives we're abiding in him and we're going forward and something deadly comes my way, it's going to have no effect on me because I'm walking with Jesus. I've seen it over and over and over and over again in my life, my wife's life, our children's lives, the, the supernatural protection of God. It's very real. It's very real. I've been enjoying it since 1989. Let's look at some more promises. Psalm 91, talk about abiding in Jesus, right? John 15, 7 and 8. He that dwells, that's abiding, in the secret place of the Most High. Who, not where, who is the secret place of the Most High? Jesus. What does Colossians 3, 3 say? Our lives are hidden with Christ in God. Why is Jesus the secret place? Because the devil can't figure out why he loves you. Because the devil looks at your faults and your mistakes, and he's saying, you're not lovable. But he doesn't understand the secret of God's love. God loves us because he is love, not because we have or have not made mistakes. Satan can't understand love. That's why he perverts it. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide, there's that word again, under the shadow, the favor, the protection 
of the Almighty, the indestructible one. Now here's abiding. Are you ready? Boy, this guy is so good how he unfolds this. Verse 2. Remember, we, we, we're abiding when we speak his promises. So I'm going to say, because I'm, imbide, I'm abiding in him, I'm going to say of the Lord over my life, he is my refuge. This is going to come out of my mouth regularly. Anytime fear comes near you, open your mouth. No, he is my refuge and my fortress. He's my God, and in him I trust. Right? Surely, this is how we talk. This is how indestructible people talk. Surely he shall cover you. Excuse me, excuse me. Surely he shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. He'll cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you shall trust. His truth shall be your shield. Jesus said, I am the truth. Talking about Jesus, isn't it? And your buckler. Put the uh, New Living Translation of verse 4 up there. His faithful promises are your armor and protection. I remember when I first got saved, the, the young man who led me to the Lord, this was back in 1989, he came from a family of 12 brothers and sisters. And uh, he had one brother who, who competed in the Olympics with, um, who was that famous sprinter? Uh, was it Carl Lewis? Uh, back in the 80s. And uh, this guy was really something. I just talking with him. And his mom really, I met her once or twice, and she kind of just glowed, this lady, you know. This was back in uh, Dayton, Ohio. But boy, she just had a, a focus on Jesus that was unmistakable. And there was just kind of a confidence and a life emanating from her. And I remember him talking about when he was growing up in Dayton, Ohio, and he was uh, walking home from school, or him or one of his brothers, and he was on one side of the street, and this was uh, in, a, in a, I guess, a rough part of town. And on the other side of the street, this car pulled over with some guys in it. And they got out, they had some weapons, they had some chains and stuff, and they started railing this kid. And then they started crossing the street, they were going to beat up on him. And then he looked on in his side of the street was this very large man dressed in white. Never saw him before, but he was kind of intimidating looking. And he's walking right to him. And these guys that are coming across the street looking at him, they see this big guy. And they turn around, get back in their car and take off. And Daniel or his brother looked to, looked to see where this, and the big guy's gone. <laughs> it was an angel. He will command his angels concerning you, okay? So I was introduced to this stuff as I came to know Christ, and I've seen it in my life. It's real. All right, we got to get into Daniel here. Let's read just a little bit more of Psalm 91. Let's go into verse 5. You shall not be afraid. Ah! For the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flieth by day, nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday, nor for terrorist organizations. Doesn't matter what it is, God is greater. And we're abiding in Him. Numerous testimonies I've heard of people who worked in the Twin Towers on 9-11 and the Holy Spirit spoke to their heart and told them to not go in. They were abiding, they were listening. We've got to abide in Him. He'll direct you. Sometimes he'll tell you, don't go there. Listen, we're, we're walking with him. See, we're led by his spirit. We're abiding in him. Sometimes there's something you might want to do, but God says, don't do that now. 
We don't know why, just follow him. All right? Just listen to him. Hallelujah. A thousand shall fall at your side because they're not abiding. Ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come nigh you. Only with your eyes shall you behold and see the reward of the wicked. Why? Verse 9, because you've made the Lord my refuge, the Most High, your habitation. All right, let's look at God's YouTube now, the Bible. Let's, take a, let's look at an example of three young men who are abiding in Jesus. We looked at Caleb and Joshua last week. We're going to look at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Well, they're in the Old Testament. Were they abiding in Jesus? Yes. I'll prove it to you in just a second. Let's go to Daniel chapter 1. Now, just give you a little background of what's happening here. The, the kingdom of Judah has been taken over by the Babylonian Empire, King Nebuchadnezzar. And he's chosen uh, young men from, from Judah to become a part of his leadership team. Among these were the children of Judah. Where was Caleb from? Judah. Where's Jesus from? Lion of the tribe of Judah. Who are you born of? Jesus. Yep, Lion of the tribe of Judah. You got it. Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, those are Hebrew names. You know them better probably by their Babylonian names, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these guys are abiding in Jesus, even though their nation was taken captive by an ungodly king. These young men were determined to fulfill their destiny, to take their place, their God-given place, and to go all the way. Now, in verse 20, speaking of these young men, it says, In all matters of wisdom and understanding, the king inquired of them and found them ten times better than anyone else. <laughs> That's powerful, right? When you are abiding in Jesus, he will elevate you above those who are not abiding in him. That's just what he does. We're supernatural people. Now, let's fast forward here so we can finish this. Let's go to Daniel chapter 3. This is what's going on. And you're going to discuss, you might be a little shocked as I, as I give you the, the true interpretation of this because there are some wrong interpretations. There are some wrong translations. Sometimes a translation could be good in certain areas, but you come to a certain verse and the translators just miss it. But we're going to read a verse like that. You're going to see what I'm talking about. So in chapter 3, Nebuchadnezzar decides to uh, manufacture this uh, 90-foot idol of gold, and then he issues a decree that this is the new God everyone wants to worship. And he puts together this killer band, right, this ensemble, and, and they write music for this thing. And he says, when you hear this music, that's your cue that you're to bow down and worship this idol. And anyone who doesn't do it is going to be executed. Happy day, right? What a, what a wonderful decree. So he hears that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego aren't bowing down when the music's being played. Right? They haven't bought into his subscription service. Right? They're, they're listening to Apple Music or something. I don't know. <laughs> but they're not bowing down when the music happens. Why? Because they've already taken their place. They know who their father is. They're abiding in Jesus. They know they have a destiny, and bowing down to this idol isn't it. 
All right? And the king is furious. He's, he's enraged, it says in verse 13. In his rage and fury, Nebuchadnezzar commands Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to be brought to him. So they, he said, and this is what he says to him. Is it true? Can, it, can this really be true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you're not serving my gods? That you're not worshiping the golden image, the king of this nation? I've set this up. I've made a royal decree, and you're not doing it? This can't be true, right? Tell me it's not true. There's a higher king, isn't there? So no matter what a king decrees, if it's contrary to the person of Jesus, we stay with Jesus. Right? Because we know our place. We're going all the way. Now, if you're ready, so he gives them a chance here. He says, if you're ready, when you, when you hear the songs I've written, the songs that have been written, the cornet, the flute, the heart, the sack, but the psaltery, the dulcimer, all this music, if you fall down and worship the image which I've made, well, everything's cool, okay? You'll be fine. But now he gives them a scenario. And I want you to pay close attention. If you need to do some jumping jacks, come on, make sure you're awake because I don't want you to miss this because this has been religiously taught and it's been wrong. But we're going we're gonna to look at the Hebrew and see what's really said here. You ready? Clear. But if you worship not, you shall be cast into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. And who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands. So what did he just say to them? If you fall down and worship, you're all right. If you don't worship this idol, you're getting thrown into a fiery furnace and your life is over. They've been threatened with their lives. Right? In the midst of the king of their nation. Talk about peer pressure. See, if you're not abiding in Jesus, you'll be peeing your pants right now. Okay? But when you're abiding in Jesus, man, you're strong. And a king doesn't intimidate you. Here's how they answer. Listen to how they talk. Verse 16. They're, they're not disrespectful. They don't call him names. But they're confident. Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful. <laughs> Cast your cares once and for all on him. First Peter. We are not careful to answer you in this matter. If it be so, what does that mean? If you throw us into the furnace. Isn't that what he threatened them with? We're going to see how religion and logic don't go together. Just stay with me. If you throw us into the furnace, our God actually whom we serve, is able to deliver us. Because what did the king say? He's not going to, he can't do it. Our God is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand. Okay. Here's the, the verse that's been wrongly translated in many translations. King James has it right, New King James, New Americans, and a number of them do. But some of them, here's, here's what the Hebrew says in verse 19. Are you ready? There are three words in Hebrew. It says, but if not. You may have a translation that says, but if God does not deliver us, or if God does not. That is wrong as wrong can be. And that's been taught, but it's wrong. 
that doesn't make any sense at all. That's, they're not even taught, that doesn't, let, 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 let's first, before we read what it really says, let's, let's pretend it said what religion has taught. But if God does not deliver us, so if God does not deliver them, what's going to happen to them? Charcoal briquettes, right? Bacon, right? They're dead. So if they said that, then they said, yeah, if not, be it known unto you, king, we're not going to serve your gods. Uh, yeah, you're going to be charcoal. They're not going to do anything. Do you see how that doesn't make sense? Come on, let's just clear the fog out here. So if we burn up in the fire, we're still not going to serve your God. Well, duh. Hello. Are you with me? I just thought sometimes we got to get the religious fog out of here. doesn't make any sense. There's no such thing as God not delivering you. The Scriptures don't ever teach that anywhere, ever. What they say is, but if not, what do they mean? If you don't throw us into the furnace, that's what the Scriptures say. So if you throw us into the furnace... Our God will deliver us. He's able and he's going to do it. And if you don't throw us into the furnace, we're still not going to worship your God. Doesn't that make sense? Well, that's what the Hebrew says. See how religion gets it so goofy? It doesn't even make sense that people would just stop being afraid and think a little bit. Oh, wait a minute. We're missing something here. But there's a fear of death. There's a fear of what's God going to do to me if I don't get things right that traps people into listening to religious teachings. We're not afraid of our Father. He loves us. Fear will trap you. So that's, you, you, we're clear on what they're saying. So if it be so, if you throw us into the furnace, uh, God, the God we serve is able and he is going to deliver us. But if you don't, let it be known to you, O king, that we're not going to serve your gods nor worship, worship the golden image which you set up. That's why King Nebuchadnezzar got so mad. In other words, no matter what you do to us, we're going to serve our God, not yours. Na 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 na. Right? <laughs> then was Nebuchadnezzar full of fury. No wonder he got upset. Right? And from, this, uh, from his visage, it changed before uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He orders the furnace to be turned up seven times heated. He commands the most mighty men in his army to throw them in. The flames are so hot that those mighty men die. They're, they're, they're killed by the flames, by the heat of the fire. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego get tossed in. And verse 24, remember I told you they were abiding in Jesus? Here comes the proof. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king was astonished. He just threw three men bound into a furnace that slew his mightiest men. And they're standing and walking around in there like they're at the park. He was astonished, and he rose up in haste and spake and said unto his counselors, Didn't we cast three men bound in the midst of the fire? They answered and said unto him, True, okay. He answered and said, Yo, YOLO, lo, I see four men. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, Jesus. I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire. And they have no hurt. Right? You got to clear that. And they have no hurt. No deadly thing shall by any means harm them. Indestructible heredity. Jesus. 
and the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. That's verse 25. Because it is the Son of God. <laughs> then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the mouth of the furnace and says, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, servants, oh, his tune has changed. Servants of the Most High God, higher than my 90-foot statue. Come out here. And they come out, and everybody's wanting to, princes, governors, captains, kings, counselors, gather together, and they see these men upon whose bodies the fire had no power. That's us today. Nor was an hair of their head singed, neither were their coats change, nor the smell of fire passed on them. And then he said to them, blessed be the God. Now he's worshiping their God. <laughs> blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And jump down to the end of verse 29. He says, because there is no other God that can deliver after this sort. And this is the one we are born of. He is our Father, and that's why we are fearless. We have an inheritance of salvation and protection, and we are abiding in Him. That's who we are at Highway Church. Boy, oh boy, that was a good meal. Father, thank you for this time in your Word. Wow. Happy day. Lord, who is there like you? There is no other God but you. You are the one who delivers, who protects, who heals, and we embrace you as you are. We put our trust in you, and we say thank you, Father, for life abundantly. Holy Spirit, thank you for ministry this morning, to everyone listening. Thank you for your delivering power manifest in our lives. I thank you for supernatural deliverance bursting forth now, right here, right now, in Jesus' name. Receive it. Be free. Be whole. Be healed. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Just receive it. It's who he is, and he's given himself to you. He gave everything he had. He gave Jesus so that you could be whole today. Receive it. Receive it. Receive it. At Highway Church, we want to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ and experience the abundant life he came to give you. If you'd like to learn more about God's amazing love for you, please visit us at highwaychurch.us. You can email us at info at highwaychurch.us or message us via our Facebook page. Put your trust in Jesus today and taste and see how good He is.